The reading tonight is in First Peter, so we're in chapter 1, starting at verse 10, and then running through to chapter 2 and verse 3. So if you've got a Bible, why don't you crack it open, follow along with me. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told to you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. Therefore, prepare your minds for action. Be self-controlled. Set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy, because I am holy. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for your brothers, love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For all men are like grass, and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. Therefore... Rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy, envy, and slander of every kind. Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow up in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good evening, everyone. It's good to see you. My name is Trevor Johnson. I'm one of the ministers here. If you've joined us for the very first time, you're especially welcome. If you're a brand new fresher up here, brand new student up here, it's good to see you. We hope that um, you see something you like here as Uni Church. We're in First Peter this evening. We're going to be starting a brand new series whenever we get into the week after next week. First Peter, we began it last week. Peter, not Peter who wrote this, but Peter who preached this last week. Um, started in chapter 1, verse 1 onwards, and we're picking up at verse 10 of chapter 1 in First Peter. It'd be fantastic if you had a Bible in front of you, you're able to follow along, because it's always good to check what the preacher is saying that is actually in the Bible. Anyway, let's pray and ask for God's help. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you speak to us, that you clear up our darkness, our blindness, by revealing the truth of your word, the light that it brings. Father, we pray that we would grasp what is in here, Lord, and not only understand, but Lord, put it into practice. We pray that living holiness would be our daily reality. And we give you thanks, Heavenly Father, 
for how you've revealed this to us. Your trustworthy, living, and enduring word. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10, right through to chapter 2, verse 3, two, verse three chapter 2, verse 3, it's basically the same thing repeated twice. I don't know if you picked up on it, but it, it's, it's, I think it's pretty clear in this. It begins with the Bible or God's salvation, and then it moves into how we're to respond to that. And it says loads about both. It says loads about what the Bible is, and it says loads about what salvation is and how we respond to God's great salvation, God's great gift of rescue. That is what, in fact, the whole of the Bible is about. The whole of the Bible, if you want a summary, is human rebellion and God's salvation. Right from the earliest pages of the Bible, you'll see that that's promised. There will be a spirit, or rather a serpent crusher. God has promised that he would send someone to rescue humanity from its significant plight, lost in sin, rightly deserving condemnation and judgment. And the rest of the Bible is about how that was worked out by God, God's salvation. And why shouldn't it be like that? Because in fact, what we read in the opening verses of chapter 1, verse 10 onwards, is that everyone who wrote the Bible, each was obsessed with the salvation that God brought. Not only do we see it in the prophets and their searchings, but we hear it in their apostles as the apostles preached the gospel. We know, of course, that God's spirit was behind all of this, that God moved men who wrote the prophets and the apostles, and the same message came out. Predicted Jesus, fulfilled Jesus, all about Jesus. If you want to know what God wants you to know, Jesus is the answer. If you want to know God's will for your life, Jesus Christ is the answer. If you want to know the issues and the difficulties and all those things which keep you from God, well, Jesus is the answer. He is the solution. Humanity's basic problem is their rebellion. And how are we to live in response to all of that? What is to live holy lives? It's really very simple. The whole thing is pretty simple. We complicate it. We add to it. We put lots of obligations and lots of qualifiers on it. But really, the Bible makes it so simple. So let's have a look at chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Even angels long to look into these things. That is the Bible. That is God's message. That's God's message in every generation, in every place around the world. 
You, you may think to yourself, we're now in 2021. What's God's message for 2021? I mean, we're in Belfast, 2021. We are students and others, and we're here, and surely there's bound to be a completely different message for us in 2021, because we now live at Queen's or Jordanstown, and we're now the intelligentsia of Northern Ireland, like the top 5%. And as I look around, yeah. There's bound to be another message. There's bound to be another message. God's bound to say something else something more relevant. I mean, this age now is very different from the age, for example, I grew up in. I mean, you've got iPhones and Apple Macs and social media and all of that stuff. And I mean, our circumstances have changed and technology has changed and it's shaped us in a completely different way. What is God's message for 2021? Well, it's salvation. Verse number 10. Have a look at verse number 10. Concerning this salvation, the prophets. Now, in the original, there isn't a definite article. So, the, the. There isn't a the here. Prophets. Concerning the salvation, prophets. Who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. That's a kind of a general summary term for all those who wrote. All those who spoke in the Old Testament. They, they spoke of what? They spoke of salvation. They spoke of rescue. They spoke of God's great salvation. They spoke of how we could be rescued from the biggest issue you and me have, which is how are we going to avoid or how are we going to front up to a holy God? How are we going to face him? Because we're sinful. We've rebelled against the true and the living God. We've turned our backs on the true and the living God. And God is just holy, powerful. He will judge us. Well, what does God also do for us? He becomes our savior. He sends rescue. He sends salvation. And this was the obsession of the prophets. Have a look. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you. Notice the grace that was to come to you. Did the prophets know grace? Well, they did. Did grace exist before Jesus? Yes, it did, of course. But look at the direction of what they were writing. Look at the direction and those they had their eyes on. Considering this, or concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care. They searched and tried to find out exactly what, verse 11, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. What's all of the Old Testament about? What's all of the message of the prophets about? It is that there'll be one who would come who would suffer and who'd be glorified dotted right throughout the whole of the Old Testament, this message is there. For example, Isaiah 53, the servant would suffer. The servant who is Christ, he would suffer and he would bear the sins of many. Then go to the end of Isaiah 53 and what will you read of? Resurrection and glory. 
go to Psalm number 22. You know that Psalm that begins, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Well, if you read right through that, you'll see the sufferings in quite amazing detail of Jesus, Psalm 22. And then when you come to the end, you see this great glory and exaltation of the one who cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? That's the message of the Old Testament. It's about Jesus. It's about the one who would come, the one who would bring salvation, the one who would bring rescue for you and for me. Do you know what your biggest problem is? It isn't your latest assignment. It isn't lack of health care. It isn't bad health. Your biggest problem is salvation. Your biggest issue is how can I be rescued from my sin and stand before a holy God who's right, just, true, just and impartial? How do I stand before him? That's your biggest issue. And all of the Old Testament is about that, pointing in that direction. Even the most obscure bits are about that. The small book, Obadiah, the big book, Jeremiah, the even bigger book, Isaiah. What is Song of Solomon about? All points towards Jesus. Now, they do it in very different ways, of course, but it all points towards Jesus. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you, notice the direction of the grace to you, i.e. those who are born after Jesus. We know God's grace in Jesus. And notice what it's all for. Was it for them? Well, not first. Did they benefit from it? Of course they did, because God was gracious to them also. But did they know completely and fully? Well, no. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care, trying to find out the time and circumstances to which the Spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. You see, they didn't really know. They didn't know fully, completely. They kept searching and searching and searching what? Well, they kept searching and searching and searching what they had written. But they didn't know when, and they didn't know who. But we know when, and we know who. It was revealed, verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Salvation is the theme of the prophet's study. Salvation is the theme of the Holy Spirit's inspiration and revelation. Salvation is the theme of the apostles' preaching. What did the apostles do? What is an apostle? A special messenger of Jesus. People like Paul, people like Peter. That's what he did. He preached Jesus. What are we supposed to be doing today? I mean, there's so many needs in our world. So much injustice, 
so much inequality, so much mess, so much hurt. What did the apostles do back then? What was their world like? Well, there was so much inequality. There was so much injustice. There was so much hurt. There was bad slavery. Really, really bad injustice. Mistreatment of women. But what did they do, the apostles? What was their work? What was their message? Did they try to fix those problems, those issues? Well, no. They preached Jesus. They talked about this great salvation, this incredible salvation, that there is a savior, a rescuer, someone who will bring you to God. That's what they did. I mean, there's loads that we could be doing, isn't there? You get a bunch of, I don't know how many people in this room, get us all together, and I, I guarantee you, we could all come up with a really good plan. I'm sure it'd be really, really worthwhile. I mean, this city's got massive problems. Maybe you've got massive problems. If we all came together, we could solve them, maybe. But is that what Jesus would have us do? Is that what the apostles did? Well, they spoke about Jesus. They brought the name of Jesus right to the ends of the earth. Paul preached Jesus to the Jews. Peter preached Jesus to the Gentiles. All the way throughout the book of Acts, for example, every single time they were confronted with, what are you saying? What are you talking about? Why are you here? They say, Jesus. They traveled the ancient world. They knew poverty. They knew injustice. They knew inequality. What did they do? They spoke about Jesus. They preached this gospel. And why did they do that? Because of the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. You see that? Towards the end of verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you when they spoke of the things that you have been told by those who preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. You want to know if the Holy Spirit is active and working. You want to know whether he's present. Well, how do you know when he is present? Is it because it feels like it? Or is it because someone comes and authoritatively says to you, well, he is here and he's working? Well, it's much simpler than that. Because Jesus is being spoken about. The salvation which Jesus won is being talked about, being preached. Are you obsessed with salvation? I don't know whether you're a Christian here. I assume there are a number of Christians in the room this evening. There may even be some non-Christians, those who aren't Christians in the room this evening. What are you obsessed about? It seems that the obsession of the Bible is salvation. It's God's rescue of you. It's God's rescue of you 
for eternity in Jesus, through Jesus, through Jesus' death on the cross for your sins. You see, that's what happened. We rebelled against God, but God, out of his love and mercy, when he loved us particularly, sent Jesus to die on the cross. He hung there, Jesus hung there, and he was willingly receiving the punishment for not his sin, not his rebellion, but mine, yours. Are you obsessed with that? If you're a Christian, are you obsessed with that? We get carried along with all of the concerns and stuff of this world, like all the time, every single day. If you're anything like me, every single day. My attention span is particularly small. I speak to my wife, children, and work colleagues. My attention span is really, really, really small. They just bore me. Really small, and I very often lose my focus What ought my obsession be? Concerning this salvation, verse 10, the prophets who spoke, blah, 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 the apostles who spoke, blah, 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 the Holy Spirit who revealed, blah, 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 the Lord Jesus. Salvation must be obsession. You see, there's a group of beings that are unaware of what salvation is. Have a look right at the very end of that little section before the break in the, um, uh, I've got a, a Be Holy title here in the Bible in front of me. Look at what it said, end of verse 12. Even angels long to look into these things. It's quite a strange statement, isn't it? Surely they would know, I mean, They've been with God forever in eternity. Their job is to glorify God. Another part of the Bible, Isaiah chapter 6, describes these angels around the throne saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. They know all about God. They see God. But see, in terms of salvation, they're ignorant in terms of salvation they really don't know they long to look into these things I mean the, the, the longing to look into these things the, the wording here kind of covers just exactly what's going on in the original language it's a desperate 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 almost even lustful attempt to even peer or taste but they can't they don't know there's something that God has kept back from them. Why don't they know? Well, because they're not sinful like you and me. They can't experience it. They can't know it. If you're a Christian, you know more than the angels in heaven, the angels who've known, who know God. And these are the angels who announced various things that the Messiah would be born, giving him a name, Jesus. Various other things. They supported God in his mission. But even they don't know the beauty, the joy, this salvation. So that's the obsession. How are we to live in the light of that obsession? What are we to do 
in our lives. If you're a Christian, what are you to do as a Christian? How are you to live? Does it have any implications or application at all to our nine to five, indeed beyond nine to five, nine to nine, indeed all day, every day, 24 seven, does it have any kind of implication or impact on our lives? Well, we find it really easy, don't we, to pack Jesus away like we do the Christmas decorations. Jesus is around for about 24 hours on the 25th of December. Then we pack him away a few days after. We do that with our lives as well. Might come here on a Sunday evening, maybe participate in the growth group, maybe get involved. But see the rest of the time? Virtually irrelevant. Will that do? Is that the right way to live? Is that the right way to respond to this incredible salvation that the prophets knew and wanted to know more about but couldn't? That the angels don't know, they don't taste it, haven't seen it, really experienced it, even though they know who God is? That the apostles knew because the Holy Spirit told them? Well, verse 13, there is a therefore. You know, of course, anytime you see a therefore, you have to ask, what is it there for? Well, what you need to do here is ask, well, what has immediately preceded the therefore? Well, Peter says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. These were persecuted Christians suffering for Jesus. We saw that last week. Suffering for the gospel's sake. Suffering because they believed that Jesus is Lord, not Caesar, or not anything else. Not money, not reputation, not career, not advancement, social advancement, career advancement, academic achievement, really, that whilst all those things are valuable and good and so on and so forth, cut a limited usefulness. Instead, Peter says, prepare your minds for action. Another version of the Bible would say, gird your mind. A girdle was a thing a Roman soldier or a Roman citizen would have worn to kind of control their robes. They'd have been running along and wanting to speed up. So what do they do? They organize their robes and they pull a kind of a thing around them which organizes the robes and keeps it tight, like a belt sort of thing. Get a grip in your mind, Peter's saying. See this, therefore prepare your minds for action. Get a grip on your mind. Organize your mind. How do we respond to this great salvation? What does it get our thinking straight? Prepare your minds for action. Where do we begin? Number one, be self-controlled. That is the opposite of life today, isn't it? Life today is live free, live wild. Don't feel any of the bounds or constraints of anything. Don't let anyone tell you what to do. Well, look, therefore prepare your minds, organize your mind, gird your mind, be self-controlled. Self-controlled? Yeah. In terms of your view of, well, money, alcohol, sexuality, be self-controlled. 
be self-controlled. Saying no. Instead of doing that, don't be self-controlled. Then set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. I don't know about you, but have you ever thought, I don't really want Jesus to come back just yet. There's a few more Belsonic concerts I want to go to, or there's other things I want to do. There's loads of things I want to achieve in my life. Have you ever said, no, hang back, Jesus, for a wee while. There's certain things. Well, if that is the case, then how precious is Jesus to you? Prepare your minds, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Set your mind fully on that precious gift. When Jesus Christ comes back, when all of this will be wrapped up, when Jesus Christ comes back and where you will see and know your salvation, where you will so know the love of God and the rescue of God and the bringing into the kingdom of all of his children, the praise and glory and majesty of Jesus Christ on that day when he comes back, when it's all revealed, when the curtain on all of history comes down and who is behind it? Jesus. And it comes open. On the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. Then he says the same thing again. As obedient children, or rather children of obedience, that's what you become. You, you obey the gospel and you obey Jesus. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. That was before you knew Jesus. But just as he who called you, verse number 17, sorry, verse number 15, but just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. Jesus said that as well. The Old Testament uses that line. God's people are to be like God. That's quite an incredible thing, isn't it? There are certain things that God is that we cannot be, like omniscient, knowing everything, omnipresent, being everywhere. But this communicable attribute of God, holiness, we can have. People will know God's children because they will look like God. peppered throughout the Old Testament. In Leviticus, for example, where the sacrificial system is laid out, there's kind of different aspects of sin and rebellion. God says, be holy because I am holy. And the different aspects of sin and rebellion for every single one of them, be holy for I am holy. God says that every single one of them is the same answer. Do not do this. Be holy because I am holy. Do not do this. Be holy for I am holy. Maybe sometimes we just can't be bothered. Maybe sometimes it's just too difficult. 
Maybe sometimes we just run out of steam. How are we growing in holiness? Are we growing in holiness? Are we children of obedience? If you look on in the rest of this chapter, the same thing is said again and again and again. Verse 17. Since you call on a father who judges each man's work impartially, live your lives as strangers here in reverent fear. It says the same thing, doesn't it? Live as strangers, as if this is a strange world. Not that we're really comfortable with it, and we look like it, enjoy it. Not, not to be like that, rather live here in reverent fear as strangers. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life, handed down from the sorry, handed down to you from your forefathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. Here's this salvation again. Because you lived like that and now no longer live like that, and have been bought with the blood of Jesus Christ, that perfect sacrifice, be holy. And look at how this Jesus, verse number 20, is right at the heart of history. He was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him, and so your faith and hope are in God. Now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth, so that you have sincere love for your brothers. See, there's a thing, isn't it? What does this holiness look like? Well, sincere love. Love one another deeply from the heart. For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable, through the living and enduring word of God. For, listen to this quote. This is a stunning quote. We're going to have a funeral here tomorrow morning, and there'll be a coffin there of an 84-year-old, sorry, a 94-year-old woman, Betty. Maybe some of you would have been here before pre-COVID first time when we used to meet here on Sunday mornings and there was a woman who sat at the back. She had a walking stick and the number of times I felt that walking stick around my legs, she would just sort of say, hi you, she would say that to me, hi you. She's 94 and every single Sunday she'd come here and what did she hear? Well, she would hear that all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field. The grass withers and the flowers fall. Those are stunning words from Psalm number 103. We're going to be reading that tomorrow during the funeral. That's a reality. The Bible is utterly realistic. I hope that we're utterly realistic to hear. Every time you come here, we, we want you to know you're going to die someday. We want you to know that you are temporary. And imagine all of history from beginning to end, and you're probably just a pimple about there. Your entire lifespan, just a pimple. And you will be what? All men are like grass. Those are stunning words. They're stunning at a funeral service. Betty would have heard these words time and time and time again. She'd been a widow 
for about 50 years, she would sit at the back, she would hear these words. These are stunning words, aren't they? See, those who do not believe in Jesus, those who say God doesn't exist, those who say, look, it's all a load of made-up rubbish, that Christianity stuff, all, all of those who say that, you have no answer. No answer whatsoever. Betty's gone. Boise from Only Fools and Horses is gone. Greavesy, footballer, is gone. Just in these last few moments, days. That's your, we'll call it fate. That's your future. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? You will die. It is the ultimate statistic. And tomorrow when the little coffin is placed up here with Betty's earthly remains in it and those who looked at that coffin, what are they going to do about it? When they hear these words, all men are like grass and all their glory is like the flowers of the field from Psalm 122, sorry, Psalm 103, the grass withers and the flowers fall. But the word of the Lord stands forever. What is that word? It is salvation. What is that word? It is that God is eternal. Jesus is eternal. Human beings are eternal. And the only question is, where will your eternity be? In heaven with Jesus or in hell without Jesus? The word of the Lord stands forever. It's a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? A bit serious. Trevor, you're a bit serious. Well, it is serious. It is the question, the fundamental philosophical difficulty that those who say there is no God, well, what is the only answer they have? Well, it's something like what Bertrand Russell said, the mid of last century's British philosopher said, when I die, I rot. That's it. Well, Jesus would disagree. Yet you will die. But the word of the Lord stands forever. And this is the word that was preached to you. More about the Bible, more about the great salvation that God has given us and revealed in his word. And then, where do we go to? How do we live? More of, be holy, for I am holy. And a bit more fleshing out of what holiness, holiness looks like. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, you want to know what does holiness look like? Therefore, rid yourselves of all malice, all deceit, lies. You deceptive person. Comes so easily, doesn't it? Hypocrisy. As in, you present yourself as one thing, but really the reality is something entirely different really easy to do in a job like this. Hypocrisy, envy, kind of look at 
that person and they've got something more than I have. They've got an attribute, a skill, a qualification, a kind of fan club that I don't have and don't like that. I go green with envy. Slander of every kind, the things that we say about others. This needs to go because it's totally incongruous with what you've been given, that is Jesus Christ and salvation. Like newborn babies, crave pure spiritual milk so by it you may grow up in your salvation now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. See, milk is our very, very, very first food this little baby born, someone part of the church just about three weeks ago or so, born prematurely. Um, and the baby is very, very tiny, really, really tiny. And the mom, mother rejoices because she's now able to take like a thimbleful, if you imagine a thimbleful of milk. So excited. We're previously being fed and all that kind of thing and just increasing bit by bit by bit, maybe not every day, but going down a bit, bit by bit by bit, as this baby grows and grows and grows, strength coming to the baby. What's the source of that strength? Milk, pure milk, pure spiritual milk. It really isn't that complicated not that complicated. Where do we find this milk? Well, it's in these pages. What is it about? What is the central, clear, core, absolutely clear message of this milk? It's Jesus Christ. The more you dig down deep, you'll never find the bottom of it. The more you dig tall or climb tall, you'll never get to the top of it. The more you try to go to the left or to the right of it, you'll never come to the end of it. This great salvation that has been won for you, the great rescue, you'll have to get into eternity in order to fully understand it. What do we do on this side of it all? Well, we crave spiritual milk like newborn babies. How exciting it is to know that Jesus Christ has died for us. How exciting to know that God loves us. How exciting to know that Jesus is the way to the Father. That nothing, when we trust in that, nothing will take it away ever. It can't. And how are we to live? Or we're to look like the one who has rescued us. You want to know what that's like? You see it in the pages here. You, you look at Jesus. When he hung on the cross. With the greatest act of injustice ever. When he hung on the cross. He said, forgive them. To those who hung him there. You want to know what it all looks like? It's Jesus. So crave that new spiritual milk, that fresh, new, beautiful milk.
so that we can see that at the end of verse 2 of chapter 2, grow up in our salvation now that we have tasted that the Lord is good. Let's pray. We praise you and we thank you, Lord Jesus. We praise you and we thank you for your death on the cross for our sin. We praise you and we thank you for rescuing us, saved eternally, saved forever. We pray that we would live in the light of that great salvation. We praise you that this message was for us, that we're able to live knowing that our future is sorted. All men are like grass, the Bible says, but the word of the Lord stands forever. Please forgive us, Heavenly Father, when we put our trust in human edifices, in structures and things that we think will last forever instead of in the one who died for us and was raised again. Heavenly Father, please shape us. Please build us up in your most holy word. Please, would we grow up in the Lord Jesus as we drink that new spiritual milk. We pray that we would crave it and that our lives would be so shaped by it that as people look at us, they will know the one whose we are, the one true and the living God. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.